Merry Christmas. You're awake. It's awesome. Yeah. Merry Christmas. We are so, so glad that you're here to celebrate Christmas together. And this year, we're calling our Christmas Eve service God's Christmas Card to You because we believe that God really does have a powerful, personal message this Christmas for every one of you. Speaking of Christmas cards, we came across some Christmas cards that aren't quite so meaningful. Here's one. This one's to Santa. Dear Santa, this year, please give me a big fat bank balance and a slim body. Don't mix those up like you did last year. Thanks. You relate to that? Now, uh, this one, the wife is so excited because she thinks she just got a new Mercedes, but the husband says the car is a rental, but you can keep the bow. I just wanted to annoy the neighbors. I don't think that's going to go over it very well. I don't know if he'll get anything for Christmas. I'm not sure about that. You know, just a bow there. Um, now, here's one with a real positive message directly from your Christmas tree. I'll be dead by next week. Somebody said, oh. Here's one to really encourage someone that you love. You remind me of Santa and that you work about one day a year and spend the other 364 days judging everyone. Merry Christmas. I'm pretty sure that's from the wife who got the bow. Probably, probably so. And then you have all the family picture fails like this one. That's some real Christmas joy right there. Some of you can really relate to that. And this one is just awkward. You have excited, engaged, expecting Emily. <laughs> Poor Emily. She probably won't be in the Christmas card next year. Um, I really do, though, want to read to you a meaningful Christmas email. I got an email from a young man in our church asking if I'd read this at the Christmas services to surprise his parents who attend. And it says, to my family and the Woodlands Church family, my name is Petty Officer Second Class Jordan Frucci. I have been serving the U.S. Navy Submarine Force for two and a half years. I'm currently deployed in the Middle East and will not be able to attend this year's Christmas Eve services. This will be one of the rarest occasions to not be present with my family as we have a tradition of attending the Christmas Eve service at Woodlands Church. To my parents... Thank you so much for your continued support of my choice to join the armed forces to serve this country. You have watched over me and protected me all these years. Now it's my turn to protect you. Thank you for the many other families who have loved ones serving. Merry Christmas to all and God bless the United States of America, Jordan. Isn't that great? I love that. That's What a great, meaningful letter from a son in our church who wanted to connect with his parents. You know, getting cards and letters from loved ones is one of my favorite things about Christmas because it's so personal. It means when you open a card or a letter that someone was thinking about you and that you matter to them. They stopped, they took the time to write, to think of you. And you know, in the same way, you matter to God so much that at that first Christmas, he sent you three very personal messages. And the very first thing that God's Christmas card says to you this Christmas is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
That's what the angel said to the shepherds on that first Christmas. In Luke 2.10, it says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Because of Christmas, you don't have to be afraid. God has given us a personal Christmas card that says, don't be afraid. And it comes with the gift of peace of mind. Unfortunately, it's a Christmas card that we hardly ever read. And it's a gift that we rarely open. I mean, the angel said, fear not, but it doesn't take much for our stomach to get knotted up with fear. You can't help it when worry and fear flood your mind and heart. But then you do get to choose whether to focus on the fear and give it power over your life or to focus on God and let his peace rule your heart. When we choose to focus on our worries and fears, then that's what will consume us because whatever you feed grows. But if we choose to focus on God and how able he is to supply everything we need, then that is what grows. Our faith grows. Now, let's be honest. We all have fears. We all have fears. You may believe that you're not strong enough, or maybe it's that you're not smart enough, or not pretty enough, not valuable enough. Basically, all of our fears can be summed up in three little words. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. That is the feeling of dread and worry that just plagues us when we put our heads on the pillows at night, isn't it? It's that somehow in some arena of life that matters, we are not enough. So how do we move from living in fear to living without it? If God's message to us is do not be afraid, then how do we get there? Well, the answer is to stop looking at yourself and keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Proverbs Chapter nine, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now there are a lot of misconceptions tied up in that because the phrase, the fear of the Lord has made some people think that God just wants us to be afraid of him. We ought to be just really scared. He's just a scary God. But understanding the original Hebrew word for fear, the original scriptural word that's translated fear into our language makes all the difference. That word is yira, the Hebrew word is yira, and like a lot of Hebrew words, it has a much bigger, broader meaning than what we assign to the word fear. What yira, fear, really means is, it encompasses positive feelings like honor and reverence and awe. It's that holy wonder. The fear of the Lord is a reverence for God that allows us to know him better and better. It's a realization of he's so much bigger, so much more able than we ever dreamed. And it reassures us of his power and his control over the world. It means that I don't have to worry about taking care of all the things in my world on my own. And that's what takes away my fears. It's not finally getting to the place where I am enough. It's saying, I'm not enough but God is. It gives us a respect for him that keeps us from sins that destroy our relationships and our lives. Now, let me show you what I mean. Our one-year-old granddaughter, Mary Love, has a sense of worshipful wonder every morning when she crawls into the living room. There's just something that she's awestruck by. Take a look. 
wow. Mary Love literally says that every time she sees a Christmas tree. She can say three things, mama, dada, and oh, wow. Oh, wow. I mean, when's the last time that you've been overtaken by the sense of, oh, wow. I mean, just thunderstruck with the awe and glory of something. A few weeks ago, when I saw this little clip for the first time, it hit me. I thought, here I am, busy getting ready for Christmas, and Mary Love is more in awe of a Christmas tree than I am of the Savior that is there to celebrate. I mean, the awe that a child has, oh, wow, we've somehow lost as adults. And RSVP to God's Christmas message, his message, do not be afraid, our RSVP is that. It's, oh, wow. Oh, wow, God. When we stop for just a second and look up at the night sky, when you're walking to your car in the dark parking lot after shopping and it's been crazy, you look up at the dark sky and you can stop and say, oh, wow. Or listen to a child's laugh. Our focus shifts away from our worries and we sense the awe of being in a moment that's beautiful and sacred and holy. It's only when we see how big God is that we finally understand why we don't need to be afraid. That's because if you really fear God, if you're in awe of God, you won't fear anything else. Everything else grows appropriately small. But if you don't fear God, if you don't have that awful wonder, the fill, being filled with awe and wonder of God, then you will fear everything else. Did you know that the opposite of fear is not faith? Yeah, the Bible tells us the opposite of fear is not faith, it's love. In 1 John 4.18, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. The more you grasp how much God loves you, the more you'll trust him with the worries that are in your life. Hey, the biggest oh wow I've ever discovered is the God of the universe loves me. Creation shows that God is powerful, but Christmas shows God cares. He cared enough to send his Christmas card 2,000 years ago to be born in a filthy animal stable in a little manger as a tiny baby because he was saying, you don't have to be afraid of me but I want you to be in awe of me and put me first in your life. Don't be afraid because you are loved. And I want you to know God knows your deepest hurts and your deepest fears this Christmas. He looks beneath the forced smile and he sees the deep sadness. He sees the brokenness in your heart. And he sends his Christmas card to you that says, hold on because you are loved. Hold on because I care about everything you're going through. Hold on, because you are loved. The Bible is God's love letter to every one of us. Every page of God's word contains God's love and God's message to us. And if you look at the book of John, in the Gospel of John, in chapter one, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word, Jesus Christ, became one of us. The son of God left the comfort of heaven's palace to enter our broken world. And he wrapped himself in frail human flesh so that he could become one of us. He came right into our mess so we could clearly understand his message because he knew there was no other way for us to really get it. He got right into our mess so that we could hear the second message from his personal Christmas card to us. And it is this, you are not alone. And that is one of the biggest lies that our enemy Satan uses to keep us from experiencing the joy and the peace of Christmas. He tells us, whispers in this southern accent, you are all alone. He tells us we're all alone. He'll tell you that you're the only one going through what you're going through. You're the only one. Nobody else is hurting like you are. Everybody else is happy. What's wrong with you? No one else is struggling with what you're struggling with. There must be something defective or wrong with you. You're all alone. Here is what God tells us. His message of Christmas is, it's not true. You are not alone. It's just not true. The lies that we're told that we're the only one, it's not true. You're not the only one. None of us are alone. We all have hurts and struggles and problems and pain. And God knows and he cares so much that he came at Christmas to let us know we are not alone. God came at Christmas because he wants to be with us. But the problem is our sins separate us from perfect holy God. That's why I'm so grateful that God not only came to be with us, but he also came to save us. I want you to look again at what the angel said to the shepherds on that first Christmas in Luke 2, chapter 11. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A savior has been born to you. Jesus came to save us from our sins that separate us from God and bring us back into a deep connection with our creator that we were created for. He came to be with us, yes, but he came to be with us in order to save us. Just imagine for a moment that you accidentally fell off of a boat in the middle of the ocean and you're just trying to stay afloat. You're tiring out and you're just about to give up and go under. Then you see a Coast Guard helicopter come over and your whole attitude changes. You're overjoyed. You thought you were about to drown and now you're gonna be rescued from the awful situation you got yourself into. And then someone jumps out of the helicopter, splashes down right next to you, and you just yell out, thank you so much for rescuing me. I was just about to drown. You made it just in time. But then he says, save you? No, I'm just here to be with you. I can't even swim. I got these kid floaties on that are barely keeping me afloat, so they're not gonna help you any. I'm not here to save you. I'm just here to be with you, just to make you feel a little better as you drown. I mean, that's ridiculous. No, we have a God who, like a Coast Guard rescuer, jumps right into our mess to be with us. But then he reaches out his hand, and if we'll take his hand, he will save us from the sins that we're drowning in and bring us to safety in his arms. I'm so glad God sent the Savior because I needed to be saved from my sins. 
And the Bible tells us that the opposite of being saved is being lost. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus came at Christmas, to seek and save all who are lost. Now, some people think that when you use the term lost to describe someone who's not a Christ follower, that it's a negative term, but it's really not. Now, if I can't find something that's of no value to me, maybe I can't find my pencil, I can't find a bobby pin, I misplaced it. I'm certainly not going to go looking for it. Maybe I don't know where it is, but I just don't care enough to waste my time looking. But if I can't find something that I really care about, I lost it. Well, you know how that is. Have you ever turned the house upside down looking for something you lost? Maybe your keys or your wallet, or have you ever misplaced your phone and gone running around saying, somebody call my phone, somebody call my phone. Now, if you care about something, you search for it. You'll hunt it down. And when you're not connected with God, you're lost. And that's because you lose so much when you're not connected with God. You lose your purpose. You lose direction. You lose peace of mind. You lose a home in heaven, and that's just for starters. But there's one thing that you don't lose, and that is your value to God. You are so valuable to God. You're so precious to him that he gave his life to seek you and to save you. And even if you keep running from him, he will keep coming after you. He will keep hunting you down because of your great worth to him. Ephesians 1 verse 7 tells us, in Christ we're set free by the blood of his death. And so we have forgiveness of sins. How rich is God's grace. Jesus was born to die, to go to the cross, to shed his perfect sinless blood just for us so that we could be forgiven of the stain of all of our sins and bring us back into a loving relationship with the God who made us. So Jesus says to you this Christmas, you are not alone and I want to forgive you and restore you and bring you back. How can we respond to that kind of astounding grace? Well, once you get past, oh, wow, it's to agree with him that you need a savior. Saying, yeah, I can't do this on my own, God, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've messed up. I'm sorry for my sins, and I need you, Jesus, to save me and restore me. I've tried saving myself. It hasn't worked out too well. I need you, Jesus. When Ryan was a child, our oldest son, Ryan, he was about three, Carrie and I were out of town in Indianapolis at a conference, and we were out in front of the hotel area, and there was a big plaza that had lots of fountains and trees and bushes, and there were people all over the place. It was crowded on a Saturday afternoon. And Carrie and I were standing there watching Ryan and thinking, you know, this is great. This is a great day. Life is good. And in a few moments, though, as we were walking around in the area, we looked at each other and said, wait, where's Ryan? He was there one minute and he was gone the next. And I thought you had him, I thought you had him. And all of a sudden we, we looked around, you know, Ryan, Ryan, you know, where are you? And those seconds dragged on and we started saying, Ryan, Ryan. And looking everywhere and started looking behind things and asking people if they'd seen a little boy in a red shirt and then panic set in, and Carrie and I just, 
you know, went nuts and went jumping in, splashing through fountains, yelling, Ryan, Ryan, creating a big scene. I mean, we were suddenly terrified that we had lost our three-year-old in the crowd in a city where we had no, we didn't know anyone. We didn't really know how to get around. And it was terrifying. And then after about 10 minutes of sheer agony, Ryan jumped out from behind a bush and said, here I am. And suddenly we could breathe again. And we both just like dropped to our knees and grabbed him. Said, Ryan, what were you thinking? What were you doing? Where were you? Well, of course, he was a three-year-old and he'd been hiding. He was just hiding. And he never even realized he was lost until we found him and told him, hey, we've been looking for you. We've been looking everywhere. You see, he didn't realize the danger of being disconnected from us, his parents. He had no idea. And you may not realize the dangers of being disconnected from your father, God. You may not even realize you're lost. But when you let Christ save you from your lostness, you can look back and you'll see that Jesus was always there. When I think of the time before I knew Christ personally, I can look back on my life and see that he was there. Up every mountain, down every low place, he was there. And if you look back over your life this Christmas and think of all the times, the best times, the heart, soul aching times, the lowest valleys, you'll see that no matter where you ran, he was coming after you. No matter where you've been, there was Jesus. There is a third personal and powerful message that God sends to you in his personal Christmas card. And it's different from the other two because this one, is a question, a very important question. And the question is, will you follow me? In John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light for the world. Follow me and you won't be walking in the dark. You'll have light that gives life. Jesus says, you have to stop following after the things that don't satisfy and take one step of faith out of the dark and into the light of his love and grace and forgiveness in heaven one day. It's one step of faith into his forever family. That's what we are. We're adopted sons and daughters of the one creator, God. Timothy Paul Jones tells about how he came to understand this through an experience he had with his eight-year-old adopted daughter. Now, this little girl we'll call her Anna, had been adopted by another family when she was six. But that family had never really fully accepted her, integrated her into the family with the other biological children. Among other things, they liked to go to Disney World with their biological kids, but somehow always found a reason to leave Anna at home with a friend. And usually, at least in Anna's mind, it was because she'd done something wrong. So by the time that adoption was dissolved and she'd come into Timothy Jones's family, she'd heard all about Disney World. She knew all of the characters. She'd heard all about the rides. 
She'd heard all about the parades and the churros and all the great things at Disney World, but she had never stepped into the magic kingdom for herself. And Timothy and his wife, once they adopted little Anna, just couldn't wait to make her dreams come true. It broke their hearts when they heard the story of what she had been through. And so they told all their kids, we're going to Disney World next month. But Anna's response was nothing like what they expected because suddenly she started acting just horribly. She started lying for no reason, stealing things around the house, insulting her new siblings for no good reason, trying to find the very worst, most cutting remarks that she could make to them. It was nonstop. And so finally, a couple days before the big trip, Timothy Jones said he pulled little Anna up into his lap to talk to her about her her behavior one more time. But before he could say anything, Anna said, I know what you're going to do. You're not going to take me to Disney World, are you? And he's honest. He said, as a parent, I thought, wait, maybe this is something I could hold over her to get her to obey. But then he realized that there was something a lot deeper going on. And so he just looked in her eyes and said, Anna, is this trip something we're doing as a family? And she nodded. And then he said, are you part of this family? She nodded again. And he said, then you're going with us because you are in the family. And as they went on the next couple of days, Anna's behavior didn't turn around still. She was just could hardly contain herself, still struggled to obey. But then they finally got to Disney, had their first magical day of lines and rides and lines and characters and lines and food. And at the end of that exhausting day, she settled into her dad's arms and said, Daddy, I finally got to go to Disney World. But it wasn't because I was good. It was because I'm yours. We get to go to heaven, not because we're good, but because we're God's. That is the message of God's outrageous grace for us. It's not because we're good, it's because we're his. Outrageous grace like that isn't a favor that you can earn by being good, it's a gift that you receive by being God's. His love that comes looking after you. He comes looking after us even in the moment when we're cursing him. His love that calls us into his kingdom to be in his family, not because we've been good, but because we've been chosen. You've been chosen. He's chasing you to the ends of the earth to keep you as his child, and nothing in heaven or in hell will ever stop him. He is coming after you, and it's all his grace. And our response to his question, will you follow me? The only question that makes sense to a call of outrageous grace like that is yes, yes. God invites you to be in his forever family, but you have to choose to say yes. When you say yes to following Christ, you receive his forgiveness, and he comes to live inside you through his Holy Spirit, and he gives you the power to follow him, to take one step at a time. But it all starts with the first step of faith to trust him to save you. Christmas is good news because inside God's Christmas card 
is a gift, the free gift of eternal life in heaven. See, one day your heart will stop beating, but you will live on forever in eternity. You are made for eternity. And when you RSVP with a yes to Christ's invitation to follow him, you get a ticket to heaven. You receive a free ticket to heaven that you can never earn or deserve. And all you have to do is say yes. You don't have to fear death because you get to be with Christ forever in the ultimate place of fulfillment. Look at this verse in Revelation. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. That word, hallelujah, is one of my all-time favorites because in every single language, hallelujah means praise the Lord. When I've traveled with our mission teams, it doesn't matter what continent we're on. It doesn't matter what language they speak, who we're with. When we say hallelujah, we all mean the same thing. Rejoice. In heaven, we're going to be with multitudes of people rejoicing in every language, singing hallelujah, praise the Lord. I never could have deserved this kind of salvation. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Because of Christmas, we can have heaven one day. And heaven is a real place. It's just as real as this auditorium we're in. It's a place of total fulfillment. It's also a place of no more. It's the land of no more. There will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. Heaven is the place of no more. And so I want us to just to sing sing one of our Woodland Church original worship songs, Won't Forget. I love this song because on this earth, you should never forget that you are never alone if Christ is in your life. And he will go through everything with you. You'll never have to walk through it alone. He'll go through all the pain, all the trials. He'll go through grief. He will go through problems and difficulties and heartaches. He will also walk with you on the highest mountain, the highest highs and the lowest lows. You'll never be alone. And one day, we will forget about all the pain and sorrow on this broken planet because Christ will take it all away and he will wipe every tear from our eyes. And we get to go to that perfect place, heaven. You were made for eternity. But don't ever forget, if Christ is in your life, eternity is now and continues on. Uh, don't ever forget that he will never, never leave you. And don't ever forget that one day you will forget all the pain in the perfect place of heaven. Let's sing it to him. The greatest invitation you'll ever receive is Christ's invitation to follow him. And when you RSVP a yes, you receive the greatest gift of all, Jesus you see, Christianity is not about a religion. It's about a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. It's all about a relationship. Moss Hart was one of the greatest playwrights of his day. He was successful. He was wealthy. He had been honored in cities and palaces by presidents, kings, and queens all over the world. And toward the end of his life, he was doing an interview at Christmas time, and he was asked, 
what was the best Christmas you ever had? And immediately, without hesitating, he said it was when I was nine years old. He went on to say growing up, his parents were really poor and his father worked two and three jobs and, but could barely put food on the table and a roof over their heads. So Christmas time was this time of pain and dread for Moss Hart as a child because it had been several years since he'd even gotten one toy at Christmas. But when he was nine years old on Christmas Eve, his father got back from his second job and he said, let's take a walk downtown. Moss got so excited because his father was kind of distant and aloof and never really had learned how to express affection and never taken him on a walk before. And Moss also knew that walking downtown on Christmas Eve, that meant one thing, you're gonna get a toy because if you were from his poor neighborhood on Christmas Eve, parents would get together the little bit they had and then they would go downtown with their kids and let their kids pick out one toy from a cart from the street vendors. I mean, no one from his neighborhood could afford anything in the department stores, but on Christmas Eve, there would be these street vendors selling toys that were real cheap, some of them knockoffs. And when he and his dad made it downtown, he was so excited to see the carts lined up with toys. And they came to the first cart. His father picked up several of the small toys and looked at them, and, and then he asked, how much is this? And the vendor told him the price, and his dad said, okay, well, thank you, we'll look around. And Ma said, I didn't understand what my dad was doing because I, I would have been happy with any toy in that cart. And then they got to the second cart. He said, there's a little chemistry set that he said, probably looking back on it, it was probably really cheap and, and poorly made, but I would have given an arm for that chemistry set. And my dad asked, how, how much is this? And the vendor told him, he said, okay, well, we'll look around. He said, this happened cart after cart. And Moss began to realize they were coming to the end of the block and he hadn't been able to pick out a toy and his heart was filled with fear. And he was wondering, why is my dad waiting? I would love any one of these toys. Then it hit him. He suddenly realized that his father had gotten some money together to get him a toy, but he didn't have enough. He couldn't buy any of the toys in any of the carts. And Moss Hart said, my heart was just filled with anger. He said, really, it was just rage. Just wasn't fair. Other kids got toys, other kids got lots of toys. But he said, as soon as I felt such anger, I looked up and I saw my father's face filled with anguish and despair. And he said, for the first time in my life, I saw how much my dad loved me. I realized that whatever pain I was feeling over not being able to get a toy, he was feeling so much more pain for not being able to give me a toy. And he said, at that moment, his heartbroken father looked down at him and reached out his hand. And he reached up and grabbed his dad's hand for the first time ever without saying a word, they walked home hand in hand. And in telling the story years later, Moss Hart said, I've experienced many grand Christmases in many amazing places all over the world with wonderful people, but the greatest Christmas I've ever been given came that night. For from then on, my father and I would walk regularly, hand in hand. Nothing had changed, but everything was different. Nothing had changed, but everything was different. Some of you think, well, God, if you could just change this in my life, if you could just change that. God, I really need this, I really need that. God, if you could just change that problem that's weighing me down. God, if you could just Take this out of my life. God, if you could just give me this thing that I really desperately need. God, I need you. 
But what we don't realize, when we think we need so many things, there's only one thing you really need this Christmas, and that's a relationship with Christ. That's what it comes down to, because God's Christmas card to you is Jesus. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And you have to come to a place in your life where you say yes. There's only two responses when he asks everyone that he's created, will you follow me? It's either yes or no. It's not like, let me think about it, um, maybe later, maybe one day. Uh, it's a no decision. You know, I, I don't know. Or like, you know, sometimes in Congress, you know, they just don't show up for the vote. And it's just, you know, an absentee, nothing. And no, when it comes to Jesus, it's all about yes or no. Yes or no. And we have to decide. See, he wants everyone to be part of his family, to adopt you into his forever family. And, and you follow him in his family, but he gives you that choice. So has there ever been a point in time in your life where you've made that choice to say yes to God and receive his free gift of Christmas and salvation and heaven one day that you could never earn or deserve. I want every one of us to take out that postcard that's in your program. Would you do that right now? This little postcard says get connected. And I want us to make this Christmas the most meaningful ever by making a personal RSVP to God. God has sent his Christmas card to you what is your RSVP? And if you would say, Carrie, I want to receive Christ. I want to say yes to follow him. I need him to save me, to forgive me. Then would you just write the word yes on that stamp right there? Just write the word yes. Something happens when it goes from your mind to your heart to your fingertips and you make that decision because there has to be a point in time in your life where you say yes because Christ never forces his gift on anyone. You have to receive it to know that you need it that you need him in your life. Just put yes, and we're gonna have mailboxes in a few minutes all around the auditorium, the balcony, everywhere, and you can drop this in the mailbox. And we're gonna, if you put yes, I'm receiving Christ, then we're gonna mail you a New Believer's Bible with a stamp on the inside of the date that you made your commitment to Christ and said yes. So you can always remember it. And then if you would say, Carrie, I know Christ is in my life, but I need to, Get closer to God this year. I've wandered away from him. I'm not as close to God this Christmas as I once was. I want to renew my faith. Then write the word renew at that stamp there. Renew. And put that in the mailbox, and we're going to mail you some material on how to grow strong in your faith and be here next weekend, December 28th and 29th, as we have a New Year's services on our regular service times. And, and then in January, when we kick off our new series of messages, don't you need a church family around you. And if, if you haven't joined a church there are a lot of great churches around here, but we would love for you to join Woodland Church. You need to pick one and join one and get connected this year. We have a membership class coming up, and you can sign up for that. That's how you join Woodland Church. Make some commitments this year that will forever change your life. The you in one year will be determined by the habits you develop now the things that matter most, the most important things. And if you would say to me, Carrie, I'm not even sure I believe in God. I don't even know for sure Jesus is who he claimed to be, but I'll consider Christ. Maybe you're an atheist, an agnostic, a skeptic, but you're open to honest, intellectually searching the truth. Would you put C, the letter C for considering Christ? And we wanna give you a gift of the book, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel that's 
all about his journey from being an atheist to doing an honest intellectual search for the truth. And you can take this and bring it out to the guys in the foyer out there, and they will give you that as a free gift to help you on your spiritual journey, if you'll just put C there. Have you ever at a point in time in your life, though, said yes? This is your time, yes. And we never know if we'll get another chance because a lot of times people say, well, I'll come to Christ when I wanna come to Christ. No, you really can't. It's only when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and draws you. When the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart and says, will you follow me? And right now, you're in a divine moment. This is a divine moment. And in a divine moment, you don't get to choose when they come, by the way. God brings these divine moments into our lives. He determined it before he created the world. But when you're in a divine moment, you have a choice. You can step in faith or you can step back in fear. And when you take a step of faith, trusting him, takes you to a whole new level in your life. And in this divine moment, say yes. Say yes. Let's bow together. And if you put yes, would you just pray this prayer silently to God as if you're the only one in this place Dear Jesus Christ, thank you for being the Christmas card that has come to this earth to die for me and to rise again and to give me life. Come into my life and forgive me of all my sins. I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me, and I need you to take me to heaven one day. I can't do it on my own, I could never earn it or deserve it, so I accept your free gift of salvation and your free gift of heaven, and I say yes, I wanna follow you from now on as best I understand it. I take a step of faith into all that you've done for me. Be the Lord of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life, and it'll always be in your life, he'll never leave you. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God in our offering, and after our offering, we're gonna move into the most powerful time of the service, our carols by candlelight. And if you're a first-time guest, don't feel obligated to give, just be our guest. The offering is for our regular attenders, and we give because we want to. We love God, and we love what he's doing through the ministries and missions of this church. And I just wanna say now, as our, our ushers come on and start taking the offering, I've got a few announcements to make, but. I wanted to say I praise God that you gave 4,900 children Christmas this year through our angel tree ministry that wouldn't have had Christmas any other way. So over 14,000 gifts. <clears throat> um, next weekend, our regular service time, Saturday, 6 p.m., Sunday, 9.30 and 11.30 at the Woodlands campus, and uh, we're gonna have our New Year's service. It's gonna be powerful. The message is you in one year. Who you are in one year will be determined by the decisions and the habits you develop. And then on January 4th and 5th, we're kicking off a new series of messages called Frozen. And it's about frozen goals and how God wants to help you melt down the barriers that, that hold you back. And so I'm really excited about that. January 4th and 5th is gonna be Frozen Weekend. We're gonna have frozen characters. The kids' ministry is gonna be amazing. Um, and we're gonna have real snow on that weekend. And then the next weekend, We'll continue on with frozen and you know, uh, frozen goals and how to really make a difference in your family, your relationships, and in your life by letting God melt away those things that hold you back. And in fact, we just uh, did a new uh, little commercial about 
the new year at church. Our creative team is amazing, and they put this thing together, and I just love this because it really describes how a lot of us feel when we try to do it on our own. Just watch. Yeah, make the New Year's resolution that's going to make the biggest difference. Be in church this new year. Make it a commitment, a habit, because you need people around you. Christ can give you the power and the strength, but he also wants you to be part of a church family to know that you're not alone. You're connected and you're growing in your faith and kids need it desperately to grow up learning the values of God's word. And, and it's just, it's life changing. It's family changing. So don't miss it. Kicking off that new series in January. Well, now we're gonna celebrate with carols by candlelight. We're gonna sing to the Lord and worship him for he is the birthday boy, Jesus Christ. Keep your candle burning just a moment longer as we pray for the men and women who are serving in our armed forces, protecting our freedom to worship today. Dear God, we thank you that you left your home in heaven to come be with us. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we just pray for all those who've left home to serve us, Lord, to protect our freedoms. Those men and women of our armed forces, just let them know that you're right there with them and Protect them, watch over them this Christmas, and bring them home safely. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can blow your candle out. And uh, we have our mailboxes all around. Uh, guys next to the mailboxes, men and women next to the mailboxes, would you raise your hand? And you can drop that off at the mailbox. If you're a first-time guest, take this out to the foyer, and we want to give you a free gift, a copy of our book, One Month to Live, 30 Days to a No Regrets Life. Um, just as a gift to you. Hey, that was the third of 26 Christmas Eve services at Woodland Church. Way to go, guys. Way to go, team. I hope you'll invite a friend back, a neighbor, a coworker to one of our services. God bless you. And from Chris and I and our family in Woodland Church, Merry Christmas. We love you guys so much. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodland Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.